today is a brand new day. And you have a choice to start transforming your life. Because when you commit to find the keys to unlock your true potential, you will unleash your superhuman powers. If you want to discover how to crush self-doubt, master productivity, bend time, accelerate your learning and more, you need to join us today because this is the Superhuman Playbook Podcast. Friends, welcome to the world of miracles. Hey, superhumans, what's going on? Today's superhuman guest comes to us from Germany. He is a software developer in the virtual gaming industry, one of our five-star Superhuman Academy coaches, and the author of the chapter in the Superhuman Playbook titled, Make Yourself a Priority. Using the Superlearner methodology, he rapidly advanced in his career and personal goals and comfortably reads over 60 books per year. In this episode, we tackle one of the biggest reasons that people struggle to find time for their personal goals, how to become the kind of person who can stick to a schedule even if you've always failed to do so or resist it, and we answer a question that I get all the time from computer science super learners out there, is it possible to speed read code? That's an interesting one. All that and more in this interview with Jan Helwig. Hey, Jan, thank you so much for joining me today. Looking forward to jumping into your chapter, Make Yourself a Priority, and a little bit of your backstory. So uh, as usual, I like to just uh, give our superhuman guests the chance to share about themselves. So you want to share a little bit about your story? Yeah, sure, Colin. Thanks. So yeah, my name is Jan. I'm one of the authors of the Superhuman Playbook, uh, also one of the Superhuman Academy coaches. So if you're into super learning, you're in the right place with us here. So how I got into all of this, I don't know. Uh, let's let's start back in school, uh, which was really not that great for me. At least <laughs> if, if if you look at the the grades I got, yeah, let's let's not talk about grades at least. Um, but it wasn't that good. Let's let's just say that. Um, so things got better in university because that's when I kind of discovered my passion for like software development, which I then later also took on as a job. I uh, still do that to this day. So now it's like six or seven years in. I don't even know getting old um but yeah so about uh was it six years ago i think at this point uh was when i discovered the whole super learner thing back on udemy uh just got into that uh, unfortunately it was too late to save my grades but i was able to then use it uh, like in, in a work environment so for like uh well, how do you call it like further education in the workplace uh, just like learning about new technologies new sdks in my case as a software developer things like that. So I was able to apply it for that. And that was kind of like really cool because I realized compared to other people that started at about the same time, that was just progressing a lot faster because I had these abilities. And then uh, once the opportunity came up with the whole coaching program, uh, I basically jumped on that right away because I realized like what an effect it has on me. And I want others to also have that opportunity. But what I realized back then, because as I said, I got into this like six years ago, but I probably didn't apply it for the first like one and a half or two years of that. I was just like, oh yeah, it's like a nice online course. Um, it all makes sense, but somehow it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, so yeah, then uh, it, it like I watched it a second time and a third time. I don't know how often, um, 
did the exercises at some point and that that's when I really started going. So with the old coaching program, like my hope is just through providing these services to people that I can just help them get to what I got to passive. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's interesting. Um, so many of the, the coaches, well, I just, I have people ask me pretty frequently, like if this, if these skills really have application after you're in school, uh, it is easy to think about learning as something that you do in school. <laughs> right. And then, you know, after that you, you get a job and you just kind of go with the flow from there. But uh, most of the coaches I think found super learning it after school. I, I was one of the few, I think that actually started to apply this when I was in engineering school or, or before I started my career. Um, and so really the way I see it, at least I, I really think there's way more uh, opportunities and potential outside school. Uh, these definitely, I mean, the skill set definitely has, has applications. I think if you learn this stuff at a young age, uh, school won't really be a problem for you in most respects. Um, but yeah, I think the professional applications are, are really exciting. And I hope that's something that, that people can take away from these interviews too, is realizing that most, most of the coaches actually didn't, didn't really get into this until they got into their career and then realized they, they needed an extra edge. So Anyway, back with with your story, I did want to dig in because you know personally, I, I don't know a whole lot about your background. I, I met you, you know, after you know coach status, <laughs> so I'd already seen okay, this guy he applied this to software development and and he moved up really fast. That's super cool. But maybe tell me a little bit more about about the background, about the struggling in school. What did that look like? What brought you to software engineering, and then ultimately. Why did you look for something like super learning? Like, why did, why was that an important thing for you? Uh, yeah. So the, the struggling part, I mean, as I mentioned, my grades weren't that good, which uh, obviously also led to a bit of conflict with my parents from time to time. Um, but other than that, like I was really, really close to failing uh, the year several times uh, with the added benefit in my case, because they changed the education system uh, in, in the, the, the part of Germany that I was in. So I was in the very last year of the old system and failing a year would have meant I would switch to the newer system, which would in that case then specifically mean I would just, I would still graduate at the same time, but I would like fall into a completely different system. So it's not like I would repeat stuff. Like, I mean, probably some stuff would be repeated. Other stuff, they would just assume I know, even though it hasn't been covered because I was on a different schedule, basically. So that would have been absolutely horrible. Uh, so that like the the struggle to to not get into that because I assume if that would have happened like it would have just happened again more or less because I'm in like an entirely new system and I've no clue what's going on. Uh, so yeah, that that was a bit uh, not the nicest experience. And then yeah, I mean at some point I got into programming, which was still while I was in school, but like we didn't have computer science education in, in school back then. I think now it's more common, but uh, I mean it was a couple of years ago already. So I don't actually remember exactly how I got into programming. I think it was like while modding some video games and then a friend came around with like, hey, there's this thing called Visual Basic. We should check it out. Uh, like something along these lines happened. Uh, so, so we got into that. And I mean, he's also still a programmer. Um, does a bit of different stuff than what I do. But uh, yeah, we kind of got into that. Uh, we both thought it was cool. And just like did our thing there and became a hobby. And then at some point I realized like, hey, you can actually make money with this. <laughs> So why not pursue it as a career? Um, yeah, and, and that's how it went. 
Gotcha. Yeah, that's super cool. So what do you what do you do nowadays? I, I've just thought of you as yeah, he's the he's the software developer on our team. And <laughs> and that's about, about the extent of it. So what specifically do you do now? Yeah, so I uh, my video game development career. That that's what it is basically. I, I program video games for a big company here in Germany at the moment. And uh, yeah, such like there's a lot of different technologies uh, that we work with. Obviously, you have Windows PCs, you have like Linux machines for server technology, you have the game consoles, uh, like you have mobile phones, like there's everything and you can play games on everything these days, right? So we have a lot of different technologies, therefore we have a lot of different SDKs that we need to work with. And it's just a lot of information that you need to absorb. And when you just get dropped into that, and you, you're coming from normal university, which just has been on the same... Uh, how do you call it? Same curriculum for like the last 50 years, probably. Uh, you're just flooded by a lot of information and you don't really know what to do with it. And that's kind of how I got into that whole super learning thing then. So I more or less discovered the course by accident. Um, like, I don't think I was looking specifically for like anything like accelerated learning because I didn't really know it was a thing back then. Um, but yeah, like once I stumbled across it, I was like, yeah, that sounds all nice and like it makes sense uh, but as i said like i didn't really apply it in the beginning so i was just hoping it kind of falls into place which it didn't um i was a bit disappointed um, and sometime later i was like well there was that course like what if i actually do the work now maybe then it works yeah maybe <laughs> i don't so. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a totally weird concept like i'm not sure how i came up with that but i did uh then i put in the work and yeah then it made a lot more sense suddenly and I was able to apply it to like learning about all these technologies and like all the information that I need in, in my job, basically. I was able to apply there. And yeah, from there, it just took off for me, basically. Gotcha. I, I know we have, because I, I seem to end up on calls with them all the time. I know we have a lot of uh, software developers and, and computer science folks out there in our super learner audience. Uh, they seem to be drawn to, to this skill set. So I know this is totally not related to your superhuman playbook chapter, but could you share just some of the the ways that you applied super learning to the computer science world? I think there'd be a lot of people interested in that. Yeah. Okay. So, so let, let's do two things. So one is just the whole speed reading in itself, which just makes it a lot easier. Like if you're looking for something like in documentation, because it's something you deal with all the time in software development, it just like, you're just so much faster than other people looking for stuff. And when we do what's called pair programming, which is basically just two people working on the same solution in front of one computer. So one guy's like typing, the other one's just providing input. When we do that, uh, and I'm not the one using the or controlling the computer, uh, I kind of get annoyed at people reading so slow because like I'm like, scroll down, please. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm like halfway through. It's like, okay. So that's like the downside if you're the only super learner, I guess, in your team. Um, but then if you work on your own, like can just get so much more time from that and then like another thing is if you learn like say you start a new job and you need to learn about that project and it's like this massive thing like one thing that i started using which i haven't done before is really just like a mind map in a sense i mean you like you can write it out i usually don't even do that um just about like how the project is um organized and then i mean obviously like even today after six years in the company i don't know everything about that because it's like a massive project we have like I don't know, 150 people or so working on it. Uh, plus it changes all the time, but like you can get this rough overview and then you just have like an, either a mental mind map or you actually map it out on paper or like you use a software for it, whatever. 
Um, you just structure the project like that. And then if you want, you can go a bit deeper. So like in case of a video game, because that's where my experience lies, you can then say, okay, like one important section of that map is a renderer. And then you can make a separate map just for like um, better organizational reasons uh, where you say, okay, like what does this render actually consist of? And then, okay, like you have textures, you have shaders, like all these different areas. And, and that way you can basically dig down into the project over time as you work with it and just like have the, that structure. And uh, yeah, that, that's just something that helped me really in the beginning when I was starting at the company. Because as I said, it's, it's a massive project. I mean, it takes forever to, to learn everything about it um, because there are so many people working on it. Uh, don't expect to ever know everything about the project unless you're working on it alone. It's just something you have to live with. So you feel like you were able to more quickly develop a holistic understanding of big projects than the people around you. They, they tended to be more pigeonholed on, they understood one part, but not really how it fit in the context and you could contextualize things faster. Yeah, exactly. So I just like this whole way of how different systems interact with each other. Uh, because usually you find out by working with one system and then it calls into the other one and you're like, okay, what is this? But you never really remember it that much or like look into it that much. Uh, because you don't have a reason to do it at that point. But you can be pretty sure that over time you will get more interactions with both of these systems. And then like the earlier you know how they interact, the better. So if you have these ways of just learning about or learning about these ways to to map it out in a sense, um, that just helps to get the, the the information out quicker and actually retain it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you mentioned speed reading applying to, you're talking about reading code, right? Essentially reading through. Oh, both reading, like both yeah. for reading code and also like documentation or if right. it's just like yeah. blog, blog posts about some new cool shit that came out. Right. When you're doing the paired programming, though, you are like essentially speed reading through code. Yeah. Okay. Because I have had people ask me about that. I'm like, you know, I've done a, I've done a decent amount of coding in my life, mm -hmm. but it's never really been my, my profession or anything like that. Yeah. So people ask me about that. I'm like, you know, I. I'm sure it's possible. Like, there's no reason it shouldn't be. It's it's just another yeah. language, right? Um, exactly. It's it's still text, and it's kind of like with normal speed reading as well. Like, if I read a text about medicine, like I cannot speed read that at the same uh, like speed as a text about computer science, just because I stumble across every other word, don't know what it means, right? And I yeah. continue on pretending to have understood the text. So, so vocabulary is really important. And yeah, that, that's kind of what I assumed. It's not something I've really tried to do before when it comes to code but you know as long as you have a good vocabulary in it it should be just as possible as reading anything else so it's good to get a confirmation on that because I've, I've mentioned that to people before but i haven't been like you know i, I haven't tried this um but it seems like it should be possible so yeah definitely. good to know good to know one of our coaches has, has done that successfully That's good. Uh, <laughs> yeah so i would like to to hear a little bit more about Specifically, how has this affected your career? I, I, I've just heard that you know that you've moved faster than you thought you could have otherwise, but I haven't actually heard that like quantified what that actually meant for your career. I think that would be really, really interesting to yeah. hear how superhuman skills can directly translate to acceleration through your career path. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I guess I'll just use an example from early 2020, so about a year ago now, uh, where I was having an interview with another company in the industry, and. Basically, in the end, it didn't go anywhere because they had these uh, well ideas of how much experience you need to have to be at a certain level of seniority. So I, at the time, was a senior programmer, uh, which means like you start as a junior, then you're a regular, uh, then you have a senior, and 
above that, you start going into management from the lead positions. And I had a senior position at the company that I'm at. Uh, and the other company that I was interviewing with, they were fully focused with like the time of experience that I have, that there is like no way that I can have enough experience and like, skills and knowledge to be a senior. Like they were just fixed on me being a regular. And that's it, which also resulted in obviously not going anywhere. Because then, uh, like, if, if you offer me a position that's lower than the one I currently have, with also the salary that obviously goes with that position, that's not that interesting, right? Uh, so, yeah, but in the company that I'm at, I was able to grow to the senior position in that time already. So, I hope at least they saw a value in the skills that I acquired. <laughs> um, whereas, like, the other company, obviously, because they didn't know all the background and they didn't actually see what I was doing. Uh, they were kind of like, why is this guy a senior? It makes no sense. He only has like so many years of experience. Uh, must be something wrong. <laughs> so yeah, like it, it worked for me, um, at least in this industry. And I assume you can achieve similar results in other industries as well. Such a tempting offer. Learn to speed read and you'll be frustrated with other people going slowly and you'll yeah, move through perfect. your career too fast and then people will turn you down for it. <laughs> like you will never find another yeah. job. So you're stuck forever. Yeah. <laughs> That's our pitch. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, we'll never sell another course or coaching or anything ever again. Right? <laughs> You'll move too fast and no one will appreciate it. Yeah, that's funny. Um, well, I think people will see the value there. <laughs> I trust our listeners. Um, all right. Well, I do I know that this is the Superhuman Playbook podcast, so I feel like we should probably talk about the Superhuman Playbook a little bit. Um, your chapter is called Make Yourself a Priority. If I'm getting the chapter title right, I hope I am. It'd be embarrassing if I'm not. Uh, pretty sure I edited it, edited, edited it before it came out, so I should probably know that. Um, but I wanted to focus on, we have the six key points that you had in your chapter, six different topics that kind of fit into that umbrella. And you said, number one is put yourself first, chapter title. Uh, number two, don't rely on willpower. Number three, make success the default. Number four, schedule it. Number five, track your progress. And number six is get support from others. Uh, so obviously we probably don't have time to cover all of those. Uh, that's why we wrote a book about it. But I wanted to let you kind of direct the conversation and, and maybe pick a couple of those to focus on and share with our audience um, a little bit more about the, the content in your chapter. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I mean, I guess we just start in the beginning with the whole put yourself first. So the idea there is really... Uh, that like a lot of people, including myself earlier, uh, like before I discovered this whole thing, uh, like you come home from work and then you're exhausted or tired or whatever, but you know, you like should really exercise because you're a little overweight maybe, or just not that healthy. Totally not talking about myself here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so at some point I read in a book and I think it was actually the, um, Benjamin Hardy's willpower doesn't work. Uh, this whole concept of just having forcing function. Um, and that also ties into the second point, obviously, like don't rely on willpower alone. And really like how I implemented it, for example, for me was that uh, I just, like I have my little home gym here, which not during COVID is also really good um, because obviously gyms are closed. But even before that, I had it. And one of the reasons was for one, it's a lot cheaper. Like you just buy like a bunch of weights and so on uh, instead of having the, the monthly membership. But also... You just have it at home, which is great because if you're lazy and you're like, no, I don't want to go to the gym, the gym's right here. So that does like the, the, the first thing about the willpower, right? Like don't make it hard, just make it as easy as possible. 
And then putting myself first in that uh, scenario was basically, I just put all the weights um, that I use and like my cardio equipment, uh, yeah, pretty much in the exit of my bedroom. So I couldn't get out without stumbling over it. Um, because if they're like tucked away, like under the cupboard or something, then you need to take them out and that's work. It's like, no, I'm too lazy for that. But if it's already there, like literally the only thing I had to do was grab it and like do some curls or whatever, right? And at that point, it's just so easy. Everything is in place and you just start doing it. And then you do it once, you do it twice. And like at some, at some point you build a habit. Like we have other chapters about that in the book, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. Uh, but it's really that just like if you put a priority on yourself and you just do that before you do anything else. Right. So in my case, it was just like doing a bunch of curls before I go to work instead of waiting until the early evening when I get home from work and then I have to tire to like pick up the, the dumbbell and do my curls then. So uh, it's, it's really just shifting stuff around. Like you still do the same that you would do otherwise. You just do it in a different order and you can apply that to a lot of other things. Like you can apply that to finances. Um, so you can like pay all your bills. And then at the end of the month, you think about maybe saving some of your money, like putting that away in some investment or just savings account. But then if you look at it at the end of the month and there's not that much money left at the end of the month, you're kind of like, yeah, maybe I'll just not saving anything this month, but just blow it on something. I don't know. Don't want to uh, like suggest any bad habits here. Is your um, membership that you don't use? <laughs> that, for example. <laughs> uh that, that that that's a great way to uh, to waste money, I guess. Yeah, uh, but what you could also do is like you just have like an automated system, for example, or you do it manually. But you do it every time right after you got paid. Is you just then go ahead and transfer a certain amount of money, like in your investment account, your savings account, whatever it is, and then you live off the rest of the money, or for like the remainder of your your month or two weeks or whatever your payment cycle is. Uh, and the thing there is. You will get used to not having your full amount of money. Like there's a lot of stories out there. Like there was a guy, I think he worked for UPS, like back in the 1920s. And he basically saved like 20% or whatever of his um income, like every single month. And by the time he retired, he was a millionaire just because of that. And he never earned a lot of money. But if you go until the end of the month, then you say, Oh, like from that money I will save 20%. Well, that's like, I don't know, five dollars, five euros. <laughs> If you're unlucky, right? Like it's not that much compared to if you save at the beginning of the month. Plus, you don't have that advantage in a sense of just adjusting to actually having less money. And similarly, you can also do it like if you get a raise at work because you now applied your super learning skills and your boss is really impressed by what you did. You just take, I mean, you can even take all of that raise or just take a part of that and just dedicate that to like going into a savings account or getting invested into something. Uh, because then you don't even lose any money in a sense by saving because you, you get more money except for you don't spend it on random stuff. You actually consciously invest it in something. And by that, you pay yourself first before you pay like the rent, your electricity bill. Obviously, you should still pay them because otherwise you'll get evicted and they will turn off your power. Uh, but it's, it's all a matter of priority, right? So like, but yeah, in the, in the end, the entire chapter is about this, right? Do you want to be your highest priority after that is like, all the stuff we have to deal with, with rent and everything, take care of that. And only then when it comes to like, yeah, let's call it free money in a sense, because you, that's the length stuff, like your free time, sports, hobbies, anything, 
that's like the the lowest priority in a sense. And that's where a lot of people go wrong. They put that as like their highest priority. Somewhere in between is like actually living. So rent, food, that stuff. And then in the end, it's like saving and investing. And at some point, maybe having money for retirement. Uh, so yeah, you don't want to make that mistake. <laughs> sure. So I, I can hear some of the um, silent objections <laughs> already uh, in people's minds. I, I can I can read minds. I don't know if I've shared that before, but uh, one of the things that I feel that people might be thinking is that, well, isn't just putting yourself first all the time, isn't that pretty much the definition of selfishness? Like, you know, a lot of people have probably been taught, you know, don't be selfish, share, you know, put others, other people first. So are you, are you contradicting that idea or can these things work in parallel? How can they, you know, rationalize that kind of behavior? No, I mean, it's, it's definitely not, that you shouldn't take care of other people or like provide for other people or whatever. Um, because in the end, like you can use the money that you save or invest. Like you can also say part of that is just giving to my favorite charity. Is that something I really care about? And if you just make that part of this whole concept of this is money, like for myself in a sense, like it doesn't just have to be like, this is money that is for me personally in the future to spend on stuff like for all my retirement, that can also be like, for me, this is like really important right now to give to that charity every month, like say a hundred dollars. You can put that in there as well in that bucket of yourself because it's like for your mental well-being, if you want to call it that. So it's, it's really not about being selfish in a sense. Um, but it's really up to how you, you implement it in the end because yes, it, it does sound very selfish to put yourself first, but yourself like just because it's called yourself doesn't mean like you as an individual, right? It can also be your family. So if you have kids, for example, uh, you obviously also want to spend time with them. Uh, yeah, with them, not with those. <laughs> English is my second language in case you didn't notice. Um, so for example, you can also apply this whole concept to time, right? And then I assume, like I don't have kids right now, but I assume as a parent, it's somewhat important for you to spend time with your kids. So if you just block that time, and we'll talk a bit about calendars later, I guess. Um, but like if you just block off like an hour a day to play with your kids while they're little, because they want to stay a little that long, then that is putting yourself first, but it's definitely not a selfish thing, at least in my opinion. Yeah, and I think one of the other ways that you put it in your chapter, uh, you did you talked about like on, a, on an airplane, for example, uh, you're always told, you know, if in case of an emergency, make sure that you secure your own oxygen mask or whatever before helping others. And I think that analogy was helpful for me to understand, you know, really what the point of this idea is, you know, it's, you know, self-care is important and you can't help others if you are a total wreck. You know, exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. it was a big part of it. <laughs> yeah. That's really it. Because like, as you said, in the example of the, the airplane, like if you pass out because you didn't put that mask on, like the little kid next to you won't be able to know what to do with that mask that's falling off the sky. Like there's no chance. So yeah, you need to take care of yourself if you want to take care of others, because only if you're able to, to like play at your highest game, then you're actually able to contribute to other people as well in the, like in the way that you want to. Yeah. I really like that analogy. I think that was helpful for me. So hopefully that is helpful. 
to the audience as well. Um, yeah, you did mention the calendars there. Uh, I know that's one of the things that uh, <laughs> when I talk to people about calendars, they either respond like, oh, yeah, I've got a calendar, write literally everything on it, and it's great. Or they uh, try to hide and they, they curl up into a little ball and cry because <laughs> people, people either love or hate calendars. Um, so can you share a little bit about that, why you think people should use calendars, how they can use them effectively? And if there's somebody who uh, just the idea sounds absolutely miserable to them, maybe some things that might make it a little better. Yeah, sure. So basically the reason why you should use calendars is because you will never forget anything ever again. No. Um, <laughs> Unless you forget to put it in, obviously, that, that's like the big problem. Uh, because, yes, yes, maintaining a calendar does require a bit of extra work, obviously. Uh, but it just has a lot of advantages. Like, for me, yes, one benefit is that the whole stuff of I don't forget that there is some event that I planned like a month ago. I then sort of forgot because other stuff happened and so on. Uh, because, like, before I actually started using a calendar properly, I often had it that I planned something like on a weekend two months out. And then I planned something else on the same day. And then I was like, two days before, I was like, uh, oops. And then you need to figure it out, right? So you can avoid that, which is in itself already a very, very important thing. Um, but apart from that, you can also just schedule stuff like the time with your kids. And you just put that in the calendar every morning. I, mean, I hope you wouldn't forget about that anyway. But that way, like you can also share calendars by with other people. So you can like, Maybe don't share it with your boss necessarily if it contains all the private details. Um, like other people can see that you're not available during that time if they have access to your calendar. And if it's like anonymized or whatever, uh, they won't know why you don't have time. They just know like, okay, Colin isn't reachable in the morning from nine to 10 for reasons. Um, they don't need to know why, but you know that no one will interfere with that. And that's actually also something I started doing at work uh, where I just block off times, I think the old uh, system's kind of known as maker and manager days, mm -hmm. where you basically just block off entire days. Or like I usually do half days because it's kind of difficult to get full days blocked. Uh, or just don't take any meetings and just focus on actually doing something productive. Uh, so that also works for me there really great, which is like a different concept. Like you can apply it at home, you can apply it at work, depending on your job, obviously. Um, and basically just have like these scheduled times and also you can develop a certain routine, like say with the exercising in the morning, if you do it like every day at 8.30, you just get into that routine. And if you don't do it at some point at 8.30 and then at 8.45, your body will be like, hey, something is weird today, right? So if you just get into this routine, like I got into it uh, now during Corona, especially, um, where like everyone kind of fell off the bandwagon with uh, having reasonable day and night cycles. <laughs> Uh, basically, I, yeah, pretty much like every day. I mean, obviously there is exceptions, but most of the time I wake up the same hour every day. doesn't matter if it's a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, what have it. Like um, my alarm clock just goes up every day uh, just to not not ruin that uh, cycle. And yeah, then I do my exercise and all the other stuff, really. And well, okay, I mean, I don't have waking up in the calendar, but a lot of other stuff I have in the calendar, even though it's a daily event yeah but uh, it's just in there like for one as a little reminder in case you did actually forget it because things were a bit hectic or whatever like you open the phone and you realize like oh i didn't actually do this and you can like you can always do it later if you miss the time point for some reason um but yeah i don't know i hope that convinced people to start using calendars i mean i don't make any money if you use them but 
<laughs> try it. <laughs> try it. It will make your life better. Even though it's a bit of work. <laughs> yeah, every time somebody uses a calendar, you get like three cents. That would be awesome. That would be rich. <laughs> and I actually probably wouldn't, and that's a problem. I should be rich. Yeah, no, no one's even. Um, yeah, I, I think it goes really well with the content of your chapter, though, just because you know, if you're trying to make yourself a priority, but you don't use a calendar, or you don't have some way to keep track of how you're spending your time. Uh, it's not going to last very long. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a bit like what I mentioned about the course, right? Like I did the course, and I didn't do the exercise, and then it didn't lead anywhere. So if I'm like, oh yeah, I will totally work out every morning, and I will meditate every morning, and I'll do my flashcards every morning, but I don't actually schedule any time for all of that. Guess what? I will not do every morning those three things because there's no time for it. Yeah, and one thing that I've learned over time with calendars, it's really, it's really easy to overdo it. Uh, so, if you look at my calendar, every single minute of every day is blocked off uh, with something. But if you, if you kind of see how it's blocked off, it's not that like every thirty minutes I have described this is exactly what I'm going to be doing during this time because that gets really hard to manage. It's overwhelming, and just from a psychology standpoint, like you're going to stop doing that over time because it's just miserable to be on that strict of a schedule your entire life. And so the way that I found that it's a lot more flexible and it's, it's a lot more easy to adopt for somebody who's not used to using calendars is schedule time based on what matters to you and then apportion your time accordingly. So if you want to be spending, you know, 30% of your time with your kids you can just schedule time on your calendar that says, you know, prioritize family. And it doesn't say take kids to the park at this time or, or anything <laughs> like that. It just says, in general, this is the kind of thing that I want to be prioritizing with this amount of my, my time in my life. And so, you know, on my personal calendar, I have every evening is booked out with, you know, either, you know, time with family, time with friends, something like that. And it's just a general description. It doesn't actually tell me exactly what I need to be doing during that time. But it does keep me in the mindset of like, oh, these are my priorities generally. And I need to, I need to be apportioning my time accordingly uh, to those priorities. And, and I have scheduled out for my work days. I have high priority items. You know, it's just a reminder. All right, during this time, I'm not going to focus on busy work. I'm going to focus on the, the few things that move the needle. I don't know what they are yet. Maybe, maybe if I have this, five weeks in advance. I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing five weeks from now, but I know that I'm going to be spending this amount of time on, on the really most important things that I need to do. So that's yeah. just an encouragement for people who, you know, if you haven't made a calendar before, don't schedule every little thing you're ever going to do, but do think about your intentions and, and what you care about, how much time you want to make for it. And then uh, you can be a little bit more flexible that way. And then you can fill in the, the blanks on the specifics in the moment or on the day and that's a little bit less intimidating at least in my experience yeah exactly and also like you don't need to um, specify it down to the minute like you don't need to put in like okay at 652 which is right now for me i will start doing my flashcards which will take me three and a half minutes like don't do that like just put in like like for me it's just part of like the morning routine block really like it's not even specified as do the flashcards uh, but like if, if you want to like put your flashcards as an item there, just give it like a 15 minute block or whatever. Like you will probably not need that time unless you're creating a lot of cards maybe. Uh, but that that's not really the point. Like it's not like, oh, you can't do anything else during the time. Like you just do it and 
if you're done early, you just go to the next point on your list. Really. Right. And I think that's a good point. So you can, you can put in things that are flexible like that too. Like if you want to just be more consistent, having a morning routine, you can just schedule a time in your calendar that just says morning routine. It doesn't say exactly make coffee, then do my flashcards or whatever. So your morning routine can change over time without you having to adjust your calendar all the time. Um, yeah, I think, I think we about covered it there <laughs> and you just got another 10 cents. So that's good. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, so we are coming up on time here. I don't want to cut you short though. Is there um, any challenge or message that you want to make sure to leave our audience with? So if they take away one thing uh, from this episode. I mean, one challenge, like probably one of the biggest challenges for a lot of people when they make these changes is just that they try to do it on their own. So you don't really have a support system because everyone, like if you tell people like, hey, I'm doing a calendar now and I'm tracking my days and whatever. And then they're like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like you've probably all had that experience at some point, right? I mean, I definitely have. Uh, so what makes this whole thing just a lot easier is if you just have like someone who goes or who, who's on the journey with you, like could be a friend, could be a colleague at work, could also just be someone on Facebook. Like you don't even need to know the person like personally sounds weird okay um but just like know that there's other people out there basically that are doing the journey with you just reach out to them say hello like update each other or like an accountability uh, buddy maybe something like that just makes it a lot easier to implement changes and not just the changes that we're talked about here but like also other things that we talked about in the book with the other authors and the other episodes of the podcast you're not alone yeah, I think that's really important. I think we'll probably have uh, Dayu on at some point to talk more about that. His chapter in the playbook is called Productivity is Social. And I think that's something that especially people who are in the self-help universe can definitely forget um, because you know not everybody is super focused on self-improvement. I think it's, it's kind of a minority uh, in our world today. And so it can feel really lonely and it can feel like I need to do this for myself. I need to you know, make all these changes myself and nobody else really gets it. But there are a lot of other people like you out there. Anyone else listening to this podcast, for example. <laughs> um, and, and they're not too hard to find if you look and, and the internet has made that easier than ever. So if you do feel alone in your in your journey and feel like that's what's causing you to struggle, I, I think definitely look because you'll probably find way more people out there like yourself than you expect. So it's a great tip. All right, man. Well, this has been a pleasure. Uh, I always want to make sure everyone knows where to find our superhuman guests. So do you have any websites or uh, places where they can connect with you that they should check out? Uh, well, I mean, I do have a website, which is currently not live yet because it's still under construction. <laughs> uh, so at some point that will be up at janhelvik.eu. So that's just my name.eu. Uh, I don't know. Well, I should probably put it somewhere as a link because people have troubles uh, spelling my last name if they're non-Germans. Yeah, I'll throw that in the show notes. Uh, so, so we'll put that up there. Um, and like, you can also just send me an email. Uh, the address for that is just coaching at janhelvik.eu. Just ask like, if you have any questions about the chapter, about the podcast episode. Just shoot me an email. Awesome. And then, of course, I'll make sure to also post uh, Jan's link to his coaching page on the Superhuman Academy website. It'll be up there. And then additionally, his, his page on the Superhuman Playbook website, which it's also still under construction, but it works pretty well at this point. So at least when this podcast was recorded. So if you're listening to this any length of time after the recording date, then uh, it's probably looking a little snazzier than it was. 
when he records, but it works. It's got the got the good stuff in there. So, uh, well, Jan, this has been a pleasure as always. Really enjoyed hearing more about your your backstory to you. Some some things I hadn't heard before, <laughs> which is fun. Um, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, thank you.